Hello, hello. Crown for Success motivates and mentors women to reach their highest potential in business and mindset mastery. The Girl Gang Confidential, where we are the fastest growing network for soulful, ambitious boss ladies on social media. So let's get into it. Hi, ladies. Cheryl Chapman here. Welcome to the Girls Night Out podcast. In tonight's episode, we are going to speak with Melissa and find out about her personal journey from the U.S. to Qatar and now in Morocco. So let's get into it. I'm looking forward to sharing the video that I did last night. We talked about knowing your three numbers from your basic retirement, your social security, and your 401k savings. And we had such great questions. And so I'm going to share that with you. So what is the difference though between, because for me, and this is a hard question, for me, I hear me, because I'm very analytical, saying to me, don't talk to me. This is why. My life in America, working nine to five, and my life outside of America, not having to pay my mortgage, it's very easy for me to say that I'm financially stable. What does the live abroad, Melissa, get to say to the nine to five, working in the United States, I pay a mortgage, I have a car, I have insurance, you know what I'm saying? Like, what does that person get to say to that person? So for me, it's really difficult because I know that it is my decision to go that has freed up my finances to really do whatever I want to do. Because I think people should live how they want to live. Because for me personally, um, and this is like a scary thought for people, but I'm going to say it because the tribe is here. And yes. I know that the creature tribe can handle this. Right. I don't believe in retirement. Right. I believe right. in working and living your best life until you die. Right. So right. what that looks like. So I do believe in moving on, like, okay, so I'm finished with this assignment and now I'm gonna move on to that assignment. Whether your work caused you to get money back from them, great. But this idea of retirement for me, I think uh, I don't use that word because it makes people think that I gotta go to a job, work, leave that job, and then go have fun. And I, I believe that for me life is about um, no, make streams of income doing what you love and then die, <laughs> you know, not make, because people are working for me, people are working these jobs that they don't like so that they can get to a place that they do like. And I don't want to waste, quote unquote, you know, 40 years of my life complaining about something, you know. So for me, when I think of retirement, uh, it makes me think of that because I grew up in America, obviously, so I have that. But I know that that's not what is meant by retirement here. So for me, sometimes I think, man, I wish we could have a new, a new way to reframe, you know, being rewarded for working and then going out to do something else, you know? Um, but cause I, I'll give you an example. I have a doctor, uh, Dr. V she's amazing. And so she's about to quote unquote retire, which means that she's done what she's loved for a very long time. And now she's ready to be rewarded for it. But she wouldn't, I can never envision her just sitting at home or just enjoying, um, you know, waking up and not really making an impact in her community through work. So she literally is looking at what am I going to do next, you know? So for me, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I, what retirement is for me, you know? And, uh, but then I've seen other people that just, they don't work, they don't do anything. They become non-mobile and, you know, it's just really challenging to watch that because I think that your life should be getting better as you get older, not worse, you know? But so I have these two questions for you. So what does the uh, abroad, Cheryl, say to the Cheryl that was back in the federal government, back at home, I'm sure having, you know, a mortgage, having 
you know, a, a car? What advice does that abroad show give to that show? And what is your definition of retirement? So she's the same person, the uh -huh. one that lived abroad and the one that lived in the States. And the reason I'm the same person is in the year 2000, and I'll share that video with you where I went into great detail. That's when I became debt-free and I uh, debt-proofed my life. So 19 years ago, I started on the journey before I had ever gone overseas, that what do I want my financially independent retire early life to be? So there's an acronym called FIRE, and there's a group of us on social media. And so what we wanted to become wealthy for is to buy time. And so my retirement has to do with, I've invested in the stock market for 30 years. Mm -hmm. It has provided a great life, um, assuming that I get to stay healthy. And this is all because of the Lord. That's what I believe. I just want to do what I want to do. So for me, retirement and success and wealth and riches is about it in spirituality, in my mindset, with healthy relationships, and then doing whatever I want to do every day. That's what retirement is for me. So on January 4th. Oh, that's a wonderful <laughs> definition. Yes, doing whatever you want to do every day. Mm -hmm. I totally subscribe to that definition. Doing So am I retired? Because I literally do whatever I want to do every day. I feel like I'm already retired then. I mean, I absolutely love what I'm doing. I believe I was born do this I cannot imagine not waking up and going to some classroom you know or some school building some educational place or a place where I get to ask questions and people get to answer like what we're doing now mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying I do so I have a question then so the Cheryl that was in the United States and had a plan uh, I know probably I can count on one hand probably about five people that I know right now I have a good girlfriend in her 30s her credit score is like 800 something I was like is that real like, yeah does that happen? <laughs> so where did that come from? From her, it comes from not buying the extra wig that she could buy, you know? It just is a whole level of restraint mm -hmm. that she has. Um, not buying the house, moving out of the current house she has and buying another one because she can. Mm -hmm. But most people don't grow up like that. So where did you get that, if that's what it was for you? Or is it something different from you? And did you get that from your family? Or did you see that? Or how did you get that? Because most people that grew up in the United States uh, if I could be free to say what I believe, um, grew up with a consumer mindset. So I'm going to go and buy this. And when this iPhone is two years old, nothing's wrong with it. I'm going to go buy a new one because that's what somebody told me to do. And when my car is five years old and there's nothing wrong with it, I'm going to go buy a new one because that's what, you know, someone told me. Me being 28 and buying a house for the first time was an anomaly in my family. I'm the youngest. You know, I'm the youngest one in the family um, outside of my uh, god brother. So, you know, these are the type of things that I just didn't experience. The one wonderful piece of advice that my sister gave me was don't get a credit card in college. And so I did it. So I never really went into, you know, credit card debt. But all of these things in America tell you get the credit card in college, get a new phone every two years, get a car after five years. So what caused you not to get caught up in the paycheck to paycheck, which is what I was experiencing as a teacher working at my dream job. Here's one paycheck, pay the bills, do whatever. No more money. Here's another paycheck, do the same thing you just did last month. So a couple of things happened. When I was growing up at home in Alabama, I was in a two-parent household. So from when I was born till I was 17, these are the things that caused me to change what I would probably have done. I saw what happens when women are disempowered within our own household. And so I knew that I wanted financial independence. And as a child, what I said to myself was, well, I'm not gonna get married and I'm not gonna have children because I'll have more financial freedom if I don't have those two things. I knew that I wanted to travel. And even though this wasn't the right thinking, I told myself, 
my husband might not let me travel because in Alabama, you didn't have that freedom. I thought there was restriction. And for the children, I love my family. But when they would make noises on the table, I was like, why are they doing that? And when the house wouldn't stay organized, I was like, why is she doing that? So that was one thing that changed me. The second thing that changed me was my grandmother lived next door to our family. And we have, for me, it's an uncle. We have a family member that never came back from the Vietnam War. So my dad went when I was um, less than one year old. He was drafted. And his older brother went, but he never returned. So when the payout for that came, the survivor benefit, this is what my grandmother told my dad. So my dad is one of seven, seven siblings. His mother, my grandmother said, I want you to call the people with whom we have our mortgage and ask them what is the payoff for the home today. So my dad did that. And the survivor benefit from my uncle having died or not returned from Vietnam paid off her home. So what I saw was next door in a small home, seven children, three bedrooms. I saw love. I saw that there was always food on the table. And I saw that whenever our family came to visit, they would always come to our home, my grandma's home, and they would always um, take part in conversation and food, even if they rode the bus, even if they have been some hard times. No matter what was going on, <laughs> you could come and you were going to be loved. There was going to be great conversation. There was going to be food. That's the second thing I saw. Yeah. So my grandmother died, I think, when I was 12. And then my dad um, purchased a home that was very affordable. And I remember him explaining why he got a 30-year mortgage. He wanted the payments to be affordable. And when he could, he would make one extra payment per year. So think of it as a Christmas savings. So by making, uh-huh, so by making one payment extra a year, the goal would have been to get the 30 years down to about 24. So I learned that just from seeing it in my home. So then my dad would sit me down before I went to college and he would say, I don't want you to have a student loan. So I've got, wow. I've got two proposals for you. You can go to a junior college and I'll fund it. So I'll pay your tuition books, but you'll stay at home and I'll buy your car. The second option is you can get a scholarship because I was an A student all the way through school. So you get, if you get a scholarship, I don't want you to go to where you want to go to. <laughs> I want you to go what makes sense numbers on paper. So even though I saw what made sense numbers on paper, which was go to Livingston University or go to the two-year college, I chose I'm going to this four-year university where my friends are and I'm going to get the student loan. And so my dad said, I love you. I'm not going to spend money for you to do that. These are the two proposals. That third proposal is yours. So my mom and I went down to the bank and she let me sign for my student loan. So I learned in college the next four years that the only debt that I ever had was a college loan that went from 16,000 because I continued to defer it and forbear it and defer it, forbear it for the maximum number of years. I learned that that grew into 25,000. Okay, transition to today. What does that have to do with how you did not become the consumer? I had decided, as I mentioned, not to get married and not to have children, so I was doing the career thing. Foyer, so it looked like walking into a foyer. And so there was a person, so the, um, he was the vice president. So Mr. Scruggs came out after learning that we were here to get a student loan from me to apply and go to college and that I needed help paying for it. So we went over all of the paperwork because I didn't have any credit, but I didn't have bad credit, so I didn't have any. And my mom and my dad had solid credit in the community. He said, what we can do the first year is we can let you do a parent loan. So I need your mom to be willing to sign because I don't know if you're gonna make your freshman grades. You're smart in high school, but I don't know what you're gonna do when you get away from your family. So the first year was with my mom's signature and mine. And then all the years after that, because we had to go back and sit down at the table after one year and my grades 
um, it was a loan for me. So he explained to me what an amortization schedule is. No different than a house. <laughs> he said, you're borrowing this if the costs stay the same for four years. But this is what it's going to be when you finish because of the interest rate. And I was like, oh my God, why is it so much? You're innocent. I'm only borrowing 16. Why is it going to be like, what? So he explained interest. I love that you went to a bank because for me, I went to the federal government. So, but yeah, this is so fascinating. Okay, so then you went to college, obviously made great grades. Is that? <laughs> I went to college. I went to college. I went to college for four years. I met these girls from Birmingham that was next door to me. We always went to parties. I would not want to wake up and go to class. I would go to class, be studying, and decide to go shopping. So, so that uh, required or resulted, that resulted in my changing my major from engineering, because I didn't want to do the work, to um, pre-law in business. So after four years, I still hadn't graduated. So this is what happened in year four. Got a phone call, sad news. My mom and dad had decided to go their separate ways. There was no reconciliation. And because of that daughter, yeah, uh, school, you're gonna need to go like part-time, just do something a little differently. Because that fifth year of student loans, we're not signing up for that because my mom and my dad are no longer different. So her financial situation changed. And so my financial terms changed. Well, when you are not in school full-time, the payment starts six months later. So my dilemma was, what am I going to do? So I just- Ooh, Is this story on paper somewhere? Oh my I'll God. put it on paper in my next this book. Is okay, keep going, yes. Okay. I'm in a one-bedroom apartment after the phone call, sad that my mom and dad, sad that my mom and dad are not together anymore. So after 23 years being together, 23 years, they decided to go their separate way. So I'm in my tiny one-bedroom in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the University of Alabama, trying to figure it out. So I have two favorite, I know it's not cool to say this, but I have two favorite aunts and uncles. One on my mom's side, one on my dad's side. I call each of them. And they both said, well, you know what you should do? You should just come and stay with me and go to school at night on the weekends, not pay, it's fine. So then the other one said, same thing. So I decided Virginia with auntie or um, Atlanta with uncle. I chose Atlanta. So I told my family, they were fine with it. I relocated to Atlanta and uh, that was in 1989. And um, I contacted the student loan people, <coughs> my bank, and they gave me a payment plan. And then I said, uh, where is there a way to explain that what I have coming in <laughs> is not enough to take care of what I have going out? And they said, oh, we'll give you a deferment for 60 months, but you need to call back e each year. So I'll give, you a, uh, I'll give you a way to not make the payment, <laughs> but it's going to continue to accrue interest for five years. So I was fortunate to get a job through a friend as a student. And the student position with the government turned into a temporary position with the government, turned into a federal position with the government, turned into an internship with the government. I met your sister. I rose to the Wait, level. So you graduated, right? <laughs> oh, wow. So 1989, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94. When do I graduate? 
I'm taking classes at Georgia State University and paying as I go. Oh, okay. So I didn't incur any more student loan. I paid as I went. But I had this debt over here building. Good Lord, it was building. So um, the person that interviewed me, it was a total blessing from the Lord. So I prayed before I went into the interview and uh, I asked the Lord to think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords and he did. And to let me have a knowing after it was over, if it was my opportunity, he did. And so I relocated from Atlanta to Jacksonville, Florida. And the person that interviewed me, HR director said, I've looked at your background on paper. I know that you only had three classes left to get your bachelor's degree. I am going to fund the courses that are required when you go to Florida, which is 10 classes in residence. And as long as you make the letter C or better, and I know that you're going to make A's because you've made A's, I will fund it. And your income is going to increase every year by 6000 until you complete the program and you'll get to travel and have formal classes and be a GS 13 and you're going to retire as a millionaire. And he said all that and that's what happened. Wow. This is sister and I four years apart then the middle four after her and then the middle so we're like sister so I had only seen what sisterhood and having good girlfriends and being positive and mindset that's what I had seen the other stuff existed but I hadn't seen it wow. I was in Alabama with my family going to church playing softball playing volleyball that's what I knew I didn't know anything until I went to college and I was like party <laughs> don't go to class Okay, so the reason that I didn't get into credit card debt is my dad would tell me, and then he sat down with me for special meetings before the freshman year. He said, listen. And so he said to me, I'm going to explain to you about credit worthiness. So he sat me down. He opened his checkbook. I was only 16 he, before I went to college at 17. He sat me down and he showed me his checkbook. He showed me the entries. I didn't see frivolous spending. I didn't see credit card debt. And so he explained, when you go away and you have your own independence, they're going to be outside setting up tables talking about free t-shirt and free two liters of coke and you're going to think that they're your best friends and if you take those credit cards and you go shopping and makeup and go into the bahamas you're going to be in a situation where you're going to need to borrow some money now who are you going to borrow the money from because <laughs> i don't have it and so no one's going to rescue you i'm going to tell you what my mom <laughs> told me he said if you ever do something wrong and the authorities come <laughs> if you ever don't pay your expenses 
and the people that take those things back come to get them, I'm going to wave bye-bye at you and we will be here whenever you come back. And I'm taking that same approach. It is up to you, he said. Think of it as a wagon. <laughs> you can pull it, you can push it, or you can turn it over. That's your little red wagon. So that's why when I went to college, I didn't get into credit card debt. I only had the student loan debt. <laughs> so, you know, like, remember how we started the conversation and we were talking about, um, you know, I sit down at tables with different people with different mindsets and I'm looking and I'm thinking, what are they thinking? And, you know, all of this, because obviously I'm in every minority group. I am left-handed. I'm a woman. I have brown skin. <laughs> I have uh, glasses. So for me, I have, my life is just a different perspective. So when I sit down at the table with different mindsets, I have to work to try to understand them, to try to relate to them, to try to let them hear me. So for me, I guess I'm trying to understand because obviously you definitely have a place where it needs to be enlarged so that we can all be in that same space. But how do you sit down at the table with someone like me, you know, who didn't have that at all, you know, and got a credit card, not in college, but in life, or sit down with someone that filed for bankruptcy? Where do you start with us? First of all, you're probably, if I were you, I would be thinking, what? Like, you did what? Oh, no. I don't think that. Where did you, you know, where, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you're talking to us now. Yes. 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 But where do you get that where you don't think that and where you can, like, talk to us? You know what I'm saying? Because to me, it would be like uh, a teacher talking to a student or a parent talking to a child or a mentor talking to a mentee, you know? I have an amazing spiritual uh, uh, mom that's an incredible mentor, very organized. And she was able to sit at the table with disorganized dysfunctional ladies and, you know, mentor us for five years. Right. But how do you have, obviously it's the grace to do that, but how do you have the words to help us? You know what I'm saying? Because to me, I'm listening to you and I'm like, that makes perfect sense. But I didn't do any of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't take any credit for it. I appreciate it, Melissa. One little tidbit. I remember yes. leaving one of my jobs mm -hmm. and I absolutely did not leave my money in the 401k. I took the money with me because I'm like, I'm leaving and my money is leaving too. Yes. That is absolutely unacceptable. Of course, from your mindset, um, you know, and what you've been teaching me, what I've learned from you today to take that money when that money should be making interest and working for you. But I took it and not only did I take it, I took it at a, a penalty, you know, like, oh, you want your money now and you're not retirement age? <laughs> you don't get, you know, you know what I'm saying? I do. So how do you even use the words? I understand that you have the grace for it, but what about the words? What do you say to someone, you know, like me or someone like that nine to five credit card, paycheck to paycheck? Where do you start? Do you start by telling them to um, look at everything they have, like the basics? Or, you know, or do you start with their mindset? Do you start with the practical, like let me see your numbers? Where do you start? I share with them what I've done and I ask them what's their goal. And if they reach out to me and tell me what they want, like it's really easy. And for my friends, the way that we went from entry level positions to these high level positions, they told me what I did was the giving them an example of walking in it and the things I shared helped them with their mindset. So I didn't say, oh, I'm gonna help you with your mindset. I didn't even know what their mindsets were. We just, so I just shared me and by sharing me, I love sharing resources. So I would share resources that they wouldn't say, don't send me that. So I would just share resources. And anytime that I would find out a good meal that Marrakesh was a nice place to visit, I like to share that with my circle. And so how did I do it? Just by being me. How did I do it? If someone let me know that they were in debt and they wanted help, 
I would help them. If they let me know they were in debt and they didn't ask for my help, but I know that they needed help, <laughs> I would help them. <laughs> and so how do I help them? By sharing my story. How do I help them? By sharing resources. And I only give advice when someone asks me for it. And so that's how I do it. Oh, that coaching tip for me. <laughs> sharing life, sharing resources, give advice when asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm very like, especially about what I'm passionate about. What I'm passionate about is um, living your best life. Like, literally, I hate that people go to work and they don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like everybody was on this earth to do something and they need to get about figuring out what that is and then do it, right? That's good. But I can also be very... Well, you've been complaining about that for about two years now. So, what I think is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. So God is teaching me, mm -hmm. well, just do what you said. Share your life, share your resources, and when they ask. <laughs> so, thank you so much for that tip. That was absolutely incredible. You know, especially for those of us that are passionate, because I live off of passion. I'm very, very different. You know, my sister would be like, girl, that... I, I'm just not even thinking like that because I don't think, you know, that same way other people are thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, specifically my idea of retirement. My idea of retirement is just what you said, waking up doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm waking up doing what I want to do, I'm in retirement, yes. you know? And for some, because I think the biggest thing for me, Cheryl, is I've watched people live an amazing life making $2,000 a month. For sure. You know, because they don't live in the same country as the United States. Mm -hmm. So when you go to all these different beaches and you're looking at people and they're having their best life and they don't make any money, you're like, wait. So then it's not make a bunch of money and put it in, oh, what is it then, God? You know, and it's just what you said, waking up and doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to wake up on the on Zanzibar <laughs> and live five years in Zanzibar, then I'm retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, but I think the greatest thing is obviously with that comes, well, what happens if you do have to go back to the United States of America and having a lifestyle that can afford to be in the United States of America because what happens if you're not feeling well, if you got to take care of family members, you know, so that for Americans should always come into play. And that's where that financial security comes in because I can't go home for $2,000 and live in the United States of America unless I have a paid for house, unless I have a paid for car, you know, different things like that. So I think that um, it's really that world perspective of understanding that you could actually go off and do this, but if you have to come back home, wherever your home is, whether that's London, Paris, Morocco, you know, do you have that security to still do what you want to do? Exactly. Because yeah, this is the thing for me. I had two experiences. Yes. I had one lady, she was phenomenal, woman of faith, went to Qatar. She didn't take one trip the first year. Okay. She had a vision. That very rarely happens. Mm -hmm. People go, they get this. I mean, we're talking about thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about like, oh, look, there's a couple hundred dollars more. Right. No. Yes. We're talking about you were getting paid maybe, you know, 2000 and then, you know, now you're getting paid four. Right. Money, money. Nothing to live there. What did you do? Like, for me, I need to know what you did because it's just like, I'm ready. So we can do that for number two because I'm like, what? So we had this responsible person that went abroad. Now she has this surplus of income. What did she do? Because clearly, you didn't do what the rest of us did. <laughs> you bought a house? Like, who? I don't even know a person that bought a house abroad. Oh, oh, oh Melissa, that's so good. I know so many people. And they held my hand. Yeah, I'm like, who bought a house abroad? Oh. Look, all the women that I work with, and I, they ask me, why haven't you bought a house yet? In the federal government. Oh, so in Germany, in the federal government. All of them. Every colleague down the hallway. So they were like, come here, girl. Let us show you what to do. And it was easy. It's what, it's what you do. Find it. Do a mortgage. Make the payments. Wow. So it's that easy. It is the easiest thing I've ever done. It's easier than scrambling eggs in my kitchen, and it takes less time.
So they will, when you're in Germany and you buy the house, they, like, the United States is just like, hey, so you have a house. Like, do they, I, for me, I guess it's like, what does that look like on your taxes? What does that look like? Oh, that's you know perfect. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. about it? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, well, if I buy a house here, what do I say, you know what I'm saying, to the United States? And they're like, okay, girl, let us know what's your, you know, situation abroad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I had doubt. I had doubt, so I sat down with 10 people like you and Kim and your sister Kimberly. And each one of them <laughs> told me what I'm about to tell you. And I went and I lived it, and it's true. So now I know it's true, but I had a lot of doubt. <laughs> I want to buy a house. Okay, have you gone looking for a place? Do you want a townhouse? Do you want a row house? What kind of house do you want? So um, how much are you planning to spend? What can you afford? And I was like, oh, okay. That's like really easy. It's the same as in the States. Are they going to check my credit? You don't have credit in Germany, so they're just going to find out. Right. <laughs> like, how are people giving you loans? You don't have any credit. <laughs> so they run a credit report of the German system to see if you bought furniture. For example, you never paid for it. If you financed a car, you never paid for it. So I had not. So they don't do the credit check because you don't have credit there. What they do is this. Are you here working for the Americans as a diplomat? You are? How much longer are you going to be here? We're hoping you'll be here at least five years. Yep, you are. Give me a copy of your ID card. We're not going to show it anywhere. We just need to process the application. Do you have a problem with us making a copy of it? If you do, we'll do your passport. I don't have a problem. <laughs> okay, uh, later today, we'll let you know if you're approved. Wow. So they let you know that you're approved. <laughs> then you call a real estate agent. They come and pick you up, speak English, wow. show you all the properties. You find one, and then it's real simple. They schedule an appointment with you to go sit down with an attorney. Wealthy people in the United States sit down with the attorney to close. A real estate agent can sit down with you, but the attorney is the only person I sat down with. And because it was um, in German, they have a translator that the bank provides. So they translate for the German and for the American in your languages, what everything means. So they wanna make sure that you understand the terms. And so they ask you, how many years do you wanna finance it? I said, I only wanna finance it for 10 years. And so they said, that's great. Your interest rate is 4%. They showed me what every year was going to be like until April 2021 20, when I pay it off. I was like, cool. I said, and what happens when I need to leave the overseas area? They said, well, it's your home. You can keep it. You can rent it out. You can sell it. If you sell it, we'll give you all the monies that you've paid into it. I said, oh my God, I can't lose. That's a win-win. I said, but I'm never going to sell it because I want to pay it off and I want to always have it because I'm going to retire and come back and live in it. And if I buy another home overseas, I'll rent that one out because it'll be a nicer one that I buy. So I bought a small home that I could afford for 4%. I financed it for 10 years. And April 2021 is just a minute from here. And every so, uh, time it comes down. We're working on some new language here during this podcast. Okay. One of words that you like about. <laughs> new compound sentence. I pay off my house in 10 years. Oh, drum roll, please. New compound sentence. This is an abroad sentence. This is not a sentence that you hear in the United States of America with working middle class teachers, um, uh, federal government employees, uh, bankers. It just doesn't happen. And it's just amazing to me that these types of experiences we can learn about and hear from you. And we can truly say, you know what? I'm going to do that in America also. I'm going to look at a house and pay it off in 10 years. That, to me, it's like the abroad compound sentences and compound words that you're showing us today. 
can transfer back to the United States. And then when we get home, it's like, no, I don't want to do a 30 year mortgage. I want to find something and pay it off in 10 years. It's just amazing to me. It really is. So for me, I think, you know, living abroad also brings, causes us to come back home and dispel some of these consumer myths that we grew up with or that I, you know, personally grew up with, you know? Um, it's just amazing. Like you said, I want to pay it off in 10 years. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, people are trying to figure out how to pay off a car in five years. And you're talking about a house in 10. Yes. Yes. Life. Yes. Okay, so I have five examples to share with you, Melissa. I told you about my grandmother and how she paid off her home. My dad's goal was to pay off his small mortgage before he retired. In 2008, he did. My auntie that lived next door, her goal was to pay off her house before 62 when she retired. She did. 62. Wonderful spirit. Gorgeous person. I just love it. <laughs> it truly is amazing to have these type of examples. Of course. So that's the thing. Like for you, it's just, it's normal. Like, oh, this is what you do. So you actually pay off the house before you die. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like, that's just amazing. But do you feel like you find more people in your circle like you? Or as you left your family, did you realize like, oh, wow, that was a blessing. And that's not really what is, you know, considered normal. When like, I'm, I'm sure you've probably done some statistics and you know that this is not normal. Right. In terms of America. Right. What I will tell you is that when I went overseas, it was for three years initially, but I stayed 15. Lots of people were in that circle. So that's a huge military community. It's a huge government community of embassy and um, embassy. And what's the other word I'm looking for? Consulate offices. So lots of people that don't look like me is who I saw overseas. And the people that look like me were in the military. And then I went to Afghanistan. And so this is what changed my mindset. <laughs> there was a storm in the States and an older gentleman who's French, um, working for the Americans, he came in and he said, Cheryl, you know, I'm not really good with computers. He's probably 82. And when we were there, he was probably 70. He said, Cheryl, I'm not good with computers. There's been a storm, I need your help. I'm trying to go online and check my accounts and it's just not working. So I need to call them and I just need your help. And I was like, okay, how can I help you? He opened up a little notebook and he said, I've got 4 million and I just need to make sure this account is safe. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I just stood up. I just stood up because I want to be at full attention. He trusted me to call him to verify that the hurricane or the tornado had not taken out the bank and that the money was safe. And so what I learned was this at a bank until that storm, only a certain amount was um, protected and then they raised it. So it might've been a hundred thousand and they raised it, raised it to 250,000. So he had to move it and put it in multiple banks. And so I said, I don't want to call his name. I was like, Mr. French, of course not. Mr. Frenchman. Of course you give me a disclosure to call his name. Melissa, <laughs> Melissa, Melissa. <laughs> okay, wait, it gets better. So 4 million. Another colleague who's from Baltimore, works for the Corps of Engineers, he's a Caucasian American. He comes in and he says, Cheryl, <laughs> something, something, something. This other gentleman told me that you helped him call. You were able to get the call out. And I was like, of course, why are you guys calling everywhere? <laughs> so he said, I need to call. Shout out to Bank of America. He said, I need to call Bank of America because I do self-directed investing. I was like, what's that? So he explained it. And so then he said he had $2 million. So then I said, Today or this week, I met two millionaires right here in my office. This white guy turned to me and he said, you need to get to know more people. <laughs> so ever since then, I've gotten to know more successful people because he planted that seed that I should do it. So that's what I do. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. Ye
How did yes. you learn to invest? Why is it so simple? Like breathing to you. And so they taught me and that's how I know even more. And I was like, I'm so thankful. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you are willing to share. You are definitely a bridge from that environment to the rest of us. Because nobody's walking around the federal government. No one's federal government talking about Cheryl. 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 Can you please um, check because you know I need to transfer some money from one account to another because my mom's lights went out and she doesn't have any money to pay for it. No, no one's doing that with Cheryl. People are walking around the federal government with Cheryl saying, "Hi, can you check and see if this bank is still in place because I have four million dollars there?" It's just amazing, and I'm so so thankful that you know you were there and that you're willing to be a bridge because we definitely need to cross over today. Okay, mm -hmm. you never know, follow me. That's what I'm walking because I'm crossing over today. <laughs> I'm committed to meeting because I already know you're a millionaire. So I know that. Melissa, they told me I need to get to know more people. <laughs> Thank you. 